Welcome to the Keisha Wright Show, a weekly faith-based podcast for sisters, where we talk about everything concerning women. You name it, we'll cover it. There's no issue or topic off limits to God. And on this podcast, we'll expand the conversations. I'm your host and humble servant, Keisha Wright, licensed mental health therapist in the state of Maryland and transformation coach. As a therapist, it is my responsibility to advise you that this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for services from your very own mental health professional. Hello, 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 beautiful people. It's me, your humble host and servant, Keisha Wright. And as always, I want to extend a heartfelt thank you and genuine appreciation for tuning in and supporting my show. I know that me saying that every week sounds redundant, but I don't want to miss a week in letting you know how much I appreciate you and that I don't take it for granted that you take the time to push play on my podcast. There are so many others that you could be listening to at this particular time, and I feel so honored that you are listening to me. So with that being said, moving right on into our first segment, how are you guys doing today? This is the check-in segment, the time in the episode where I ask you to check in with yourself to see how you are really doing. As I mentioned in previous recordings, this was the topic of my very first episode, and it kind of lays the foundation of all of my subsequent episodes. So if you have if you have not had an opportunity to listen to episode one, I strongly encourage you to do so. So as we customarily do, I want you to check in with yourself right now to evaluate how you are doing and to see about you. In other words, take care of yourself. As women, We take care of everyone else, and sometimes we forget to take care of ourselves. So during this segment last week, we talked about how you cope during times of distress. I wanted you to check in to see what do you do? How do you handle some of your most stressful situations? I gave you nine questions to consider, and I hope that you really took the time to think about it. If you did and you discovered unhealthy patterns during time of distress, I encourage you to get the help that you need to help you manage your stress levels in a healthy and productive way. So what are we going to check in on this week? This week, I thought it would be a good idea to check on how you handle emotional exhaustion. Are you emotionally exhausted? And if so, what are you doing about it? Do you take time to deal with it, to acknowledge, to acknowledge that you are feeling emotionally overwhelmed? Do you take the time to rest, to regroup? Or do you just keep going? Like really give that some thought and you'll understand a little bit more why I'm asking you this as I go into this week's topic. So 
you know, going further with the emotional exhaustion question, do you even recognize when you are emotionally exhausted? Some of us are so used to functioning under emotionally exhaustive conditions that we don't even recognize it because it's our norm. So I just want to give you a good definition of emotional exhaustion. And I took it right off of the internet from the Mayo Clinic. So it's a pretty trustworthy um, definition. I'm going to share it with you now as you give reflection to this question about emotional exhaustion. So according to the Mayo Clinic, emotional exhaustion is when stress begins to accumulate from negative or challenging events in life and they just keep coming. You can find yourself in a state of feeling emotionally worn out and drained if you don't address it. So according to the Mayo Clinic, emotional exhaustion is when stress begins to accumulate from negative or challenging events and it just keeps on coming. Like it's like one thing after the other. And if you're not careful, if you don't take the time to reflect, to put the necessary um, mechanisms in place to help you manage this stress, you can get into a state of feeling emotionally worn out and drained. I don't know about you, but I have definitely been in that place. And so here are a few questions for you to um, give further thought to that may help you identify if you're in a state or if you could be in a state of emotional exhaustion. Um, number one, are you feeling drained with a lack of motivation? Are you easily irritated? Like things that didn't used to bother you so much. Now you are just snapping at everybody. You know, it, everything is kind of getting on your nerves. Feelings of hopelessness. Do you have feelings of hopelessness? Like, this situation that I'm involved in now, or this situation that's on me, it's never going to end. I'm just stuck. It's too much. I can't see an end in sight. Feelings of hopelessness. Number four, physical symptoms that you can't explain, like you're extra fatigued. And that's normally, that's normally not you. You're just tired. Um, or other physical symptoms could be headaches, stomach aches, body aches. We don't even realize what stress or emotional exhaustion or overwhelm um, can do to our bodies, the toll that it takes on our bodies. And then the sixth thing, um, do you have increased pessimism or negativity? You know, are, is everything just seeming a little bit more negative? You're more doubtful that good things will happen. So those are just six things that I want you to think about as you evaluate whether or not you are suffering from emotional exhaustion. And trust me, I'm going to go into it a little bit later because this segment um, directly lines up with what this week's topic is going to be. So based on these few symptoms that I gave you on emotional exhaustion, um, and believe me, there are many more out there. You can do your own research on it so that you can get a clear understanding of what emotional exhaustion exhaustion is and how it impacts your body you know but based on the symptoms that I gave you are you emotionally exhausted and if so what are you going to do about it this is a very important question 
because emotional exhaustion can negatively impact your health, your emotional health, physical and mental health, your spiritual health, financial health, like it can impact everything because it throws your thinking off a little bit. It throws off your mood, your motivation and other things. And if you don't get a handle on it, the impacts can spill into every area of your life. So this is important, sisters. I want you to give that some thought. Are you drained? Are you emotionally exhausted? And if so, what are you doing to help yourself with it? And so before I get into this week's topic, you know, I always like to give a few of the the nuggets from the last episode just so that we can kind of stay in sync. So last week, our topic was weeping and working. And I think that this week's episode is a is a good follow up to it. And I'll get into that in just a minute. But here are a few of the nuggets from last week, when we talked about weeping and working, I came out of Second Samuel chapter 15. And I basically just talked about King David, when he was being pursued by his son, Absalom, who wanted to kill him. And so I provided seven things that David did to cope while he was in that very difficult, distressed, troubled place. And um, one of the most important things that I pointed out was that David upheld all of his kingly duties while being faced with such a tragic situation, a, a very insurmountable situation. He kept going. But while he was still being the king, he allowed himself to feel what he was feeling to include weeping over the situation that he was in. So the point I really wanted to make is that sometimes we find ourselves in situations that seem nearly impossible to deal with. But our life at that time is not set up where we can just shut down. Like we are still required to get up in the morning and to handle all of our DLAs, our daily living activities. And so what I wanted to do is just kind of help you to understand that it's all right to feel all of what you're feeling. So long as you keep your eyes on the Lord and seek him for guidance in how you should deal with these difficult situations. Sometimes we can allow life stressors to get us down. But with the help of God, we can certainly weep while we work until our deliverance comes. And yes, your deliverance from whatever situation that you're in, your deliverance will come. So stay encouraged. And if you did not have an opportunity to listen to last week's episode, I strongly encourage you to do so. There's so many wonderful nuggets in there that may be helpful to you when you're going through a difficult time, but you are not necessarily in a position to just shut down. And so having said all of that, um, I'm going to go right into this week's topic, which is my cup is empty. My cup is empty. Have you ever found yourself in a position where you just feel like you don't have anything else to give. You don't have anything else to give. 
you know, that place um, where you are emotionally drained, where everything that you have has been poured out of you. A place where sometimes your very soul feels weary and your heart is tired and even aching. You know, that place where the more you give, the more they need and the more they want. That place where your cup is near empty, but you decide to serve your last drops to someone else anyway. If you feel this way, it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's nothing to be embarrassed to admit because it's not, it's not due to the fact that you're doing something so wrong. In fact, a lot of us find ourselves in this position when we are doing things that are right, like working hard every day, serving others, being a good wife, a good mom, a daughter, a sister, auntie, and a friend to many. It's not because you are are, um, deliberately doing things to drain yourself. You know, a lot of times it's because you're sharing your gifts and your resources to see to the needs of others with little or no regard for yourself. And so if this is you, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for all that you do. I want to thank you for the sacrifices that you make. I want to thank you um, for having a heart that looks out for others and oftentimes puts other be- others before yourself. So it's a wonderful thing that we're doing, but sometimes it's to our detriment. And I'm going to talk about the concerns that I have about us doing too much and putting ourselves in a position where we are emotionally exhausted and emotionally drained. I'm going to talk about some of the concerns that I have. So, you know, this morning was one of those days for me. It was a very, very, very difficult morning. You know, in fact, I, I had to go back and take a dose of my own medicine and listen to Weeping While Working, last week's episode, because this morning I was so weepy. I have a situation going on right now where I, I feel like I'm just, I'm misunderstood. I'm taken for granted. You know, I feel like I pour my everything out and don't quite get the same thing in return. And it was just one of those mornings where I felt angry and upset and I had to cry out to God. I had to say to him, Lord, how am I going to give to your people today when my own cup is empty? My cup is empty. And as a therapist, you know, a lot of the times, depending upon the severity of my empty cup, you know, I may take off if I don't feel like I can give you know, my all to my clients. But today I felt like Holy Spirit told me to just to press on. Sometimes we have to press on. So I continue to put one foot in front of the other to make it through my day. But I'm telling you this morning was just one of those mornings 
where, where, where I had to cry out to him and ask him, what is going on, Lord? I need some relief. And how is it that you expect me to pour out of this empty cup? And so when I was having this conversation with him, I was reminded of um, a conversation that I had with one of my colleagues, Kiera Flipping. And during the conversation, she said to me that no one else should be able to put their lips on my cup and drink from it. Not your husband, not your children, not your friends, not your family, not your, your, your coworkers, your boss. Nobody should be able to put their lips on your cup and drink from it. And I was like, what, what do you mean? Like that, it sounded a little bit selfish until she explained a little further. She says, so imagine your cup sitting on a saucer. You can give people permission to sip off of your saucer, but not your cup. So I had to catch the vision. Here's the vision. The call, you know how you have a coffee cup. You may put some coffee or tea in it. When it, when you put the, the uh, liquid in the cup, sometimes you put too much and it spills over. So the vision is if people are able to sip off of my saucer, what it means is that my very own cup is full. I hope you caught that. When people are sipping off of your off of your saucer, the resources that are on your saucer, it means that you are doing something very intentionally to make sure that your very own cup is full. Now, I know that we're not going to always be able to pour out of an empty cup, but I want you to consider that as a rule of thumb and try to make a full cup your norm. Try to bake things into your life where it is it is your norm that your cup is full, that you are doing something to make sure that you replenish yourself after you have shared your resources. You know, if, if you are feeling like you're running on half full, don't just keep draining yourself. Unless, of course, you have those special, those special times where that's necessary. But don't make it a norm that when, you're, when, you're, when your tank is on, on quarter from, full, from empty, that you just keep going. How do you fill up somebody else's gas tank and your gas tank is empty? So fill your cup, fill your gas tank. And we all have flown. And I think I may have mentioned this in one of the first episodes. I don't really remember. But, you know, when you fly, one of the first things that they tell you is to put the oxygen on your face first. Even before you put it on your your child's face. In the event of an emergency, put the oxygen on your face first so that you can breathe and then you can help others. So I want you to really, really, really think about that. Stop letting people, stop letting people drink off of your cup to the point that your cup is empty. And then you continue to pour from from an empty cup which is how we run into um, 
emotional exhaustion, emotional overwhelm. So earlier in this episode, I talked about emotional exhaustion and I gave the definition, which is when we're stressed um, and the stress begins to accumulate from negative or challenging events in our life. And they just keep coming. And before you know it, you find yourself in a state of feeling emotionally worn out and drained. And so I'm going to go a little bit deeper and discuss with you right now why it is so important for us to catch that and not to continue to ignore it to the degree that we begin to experience other symptoms. So emotional overwhelm, emotional exhaustion can cause physical symptoms, mental, mental symptoms, emotional symptoms. It can impact your performance, meaning performance um, symptoms. It has an effect on your sleep and it affects your relationships. So really emotional overwhelm, it, it impacts every area of your life. And a lot of us, we just pour out and we pour and we pour and we pour and we pour and we're drained and we're tired and it's impacting us and we just keep going. Why do you do that? That is not a requirement. What is going on with you that you have to do so much? You know how we say now, look, 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 sis, you're doing too much. You're just doing way too much. So listen, some of the um, physical symptoms that you may experience with emotional overwhelm, your head may start hurting. It affects our appetite. You know, we, we gain weight or we lose weight depending upon how it impacts us. When we're emotionally overwhelmed, a lot of times we turn to food and we eat ourselves uh, to, to, to illness or we stop eating. Because it drains our appetite. We feel a little bit more tired. Our muscles are, are tense. You know, we, 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 we feel it in our heart. You know, we have heart palpitations because we're, we're anxious. And so emotional overwhelm, it affects your physical body. It, it, it stops you from being able to sleep. It impacts your your sleep habits. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. Like this thing is very serious. So those are some of the physical symptoms that we experience. Mental symptoms. We become forgetfulness because we have so much competing stimuli going on in our heads that just as soon as we, you know, look in a different direction, what we were about to do, we forget. We forget. So our, our projects are incomplete. Because there's so much going on in our mental that we are just easily distracted. We have some confusion. Uh, we, we, we can't, you know, our concentration is off. You know, I, we don't remember things as easily as we used to. I mean, those are just some of the mental symptoms. What I'm trying to show you is how emotional exhaustion, it, it impacts every area of your life. I mean, for me, you know, sometimes you could tell me something when I'm in one of those places where I'm emotionally um, exhausted. And just as soon as I hang up the phone or walk, you know, out of your presence, whatever you told me, whatever that thing is that I'm supposed to be doing, I have forgotten. It's almost like we have ADHD. 
because we we are we are overstimulated. We're overstimulated. And so we got to get a handle on this, sis. We have to get a handle on it because it's a lot. So I talked about the physical symptoms. I talked about the mental symptoms. So emotional overwhelm causes emotional symptoms. You know, it we we become more more pessimistic or negative. I talked about ants in one of the episodes. We begin to have more automatic negative thoughts. We have a sense of apathy where we're kind of listless, just kind of mm-hmm, going with the flow, more doubtful because we're emotionally um, overwhelmed. We we experience feelings of failure at a at a more intense type of level because we're we're overwhelmed. We're emotionally overwhelmed. Our our motivation is drained. We have all of these things that we want to do. And we don't even know where to start because it's so much. So we don't do anything. I know that really happens to me. If I'm doing too much and I have, you know, a lot on my plate, sometimes it feels like it's so much that I don't do anything. That's a clear sign for me that I am emotionally overwhelmed or emotionally exhausted. We have feelings of hopelessness. Like I'm in this place and I just can't see my way out. Because I have so many things going on. We have an increase in anxiety, an increase in depression. All of this is caused by emotional exhaustion. We just feel completely drained when we are are having the emotional symptoms um, as it relates to emotional exhaustion. We also have... um, performance issues you know we we are unable to perform like like we used to whether it be on our jobs you know in in our relationships in our ministries you know we the the our engagement rate suffers we're just not all there you know our productivity level is low we we miss our deadlines you know we start to call in or call off from work a little more often than we used to. Our performance is not up to par. You know, our work is half done, is incomplete. You know, our attitude changes. Just our whole commitment level to things that we are normally on top of, it begins to suffer when we are emotionally overwhelmed, emotionally exhausted. Sis, is that you? Are you recognizing yourself in any of this? And another thing that happens when we are emotionally overwhelmed or exhausted, we have difficulty in our relationships. You know, we begin to isolate. We we stay away from our friends and family. You know, we just can't seem to find a connection. And, uh, you know, we begin to like stay away. And we get trapped in our own heads, which a lot of times, what, it lends to depression and anxiety because now we're, we're isolated. So whatever we're thinking, whatever we're feeling, you know, that is the truth because we're not talking to anybody else. Our connect, our connections are beginning to, well, our relationship with others, our interactions with other people, they're beginning to lessen. 
and our relationships begin to suffer. You know, our, our, our self-esteem gets a little bit lower. You know, we don't have the same enthusiasm about the relationships that we used to have. And some of us, we're now starting to um, suffer from social anxiety. So um, I want you to really consider what I'm saying. I talked a little bit earlier. I didn't go into detail about how, how emotional exhaustion impacts your sleep. We either have difficulty falling asleep, staying asleep, or both. We're so tired or we, we have, when we have all of this difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep, when it's time to get up, we hit the alarm clock, the snooze button, two or three or four times because we can't get up. And, when, and, and getting up in the morning becomes like this, this burdensome type thing where we are just weighted down and we hate to, to see the sunrise because we haven't slept all night. Sleep is when your body replenishes itself. It's when your organs rest and replenish themselves from the day of work that they had to do. And so if you're not sleeping, when does your body, when do your organs have an opportunity to rest and replenish themselves? This is very serious. A lot of us mistake being emotionally exhausted as being a successful person because I have so much, so much, so much to do. I mean, and it could look that way, but I want you to consider the toll that all of this, this busy stuff. Oh, that's what I did an episode on busyness. So it mean, it, this pretty much is probably like a repeat, but this is what God gave me. Um, and that just came to my memory. We, we think about, um, all of what we're doing, we see it as a, you know, it's, it's a demonstration of how, how successful we are. And I'm telling you, it may be that, but are you willing to pay the price for this success that you feel like you have because you're so busy and you find yourself in a state of emotional overwhelm? So, you know, to, to remedy this, it can be quite easy if we would just do make some some minor adjustments or maybe not so minor. For some of us, they're going to be major adjustments, you know, but what I'm encouraging you to do is create a more healthy lifestyle for yourself. I remember talking to to one of my colleagues who is very, um, very intentional about structure not to the degree where, where she's inflexible, but just, you know, making sure that her life has some, some, some kind of structure. And I need to do better in this area. Like in the morning, she has a morning routine where she gets up, she stretches, you know, she, she does some exercise, you know, she, uh, she has her, her morning cup of tea. She journals. I mean, and every morning, that is her routine. And I believe she adds prayer to that too, scripture, of course. And that is her morning routine. Every morning, she sacrifices those, sacrifices those extra few minutes that she would be asleep to get up and, and start her day like that. She makes sure that she does something in the middle of the day. You know, she has a, 
a routine in the middle of the day, like whether she's working in the office or at home. Sometimes she takes, she can take a little nap or read a book or have another cup of tea. That's her way of refreshing herself so that she can get through the, the second half of her day. Now, am I that disciplined? Absolutely not. Sometimes I'm helter skelter all over the place, but I want to do this. I, I want to, I want to have, I want to create more healthy routines for myself, starting with my morning routine, my afternoon, and then in the evening as well, you know, going to sleep at a, at a reasonable hour. And it's best to try to go to sleep at the same time every night, doing some more deep breathing, some stretching, you know, not doing too many things at night that will um, fire your brain up to the degree that you can't sleep. You know, the evening routine should, in, should include something that is settling you down. That's putting you in a position where you can turn your thinking cap off just a little bit so that you can transition more easily into going to sleep. So the first thing that we can do is create some healthy routines. You know, another thing that we can do, it, I'm going to tell you, take a vacation Take a vacation. Take a couple of days off work. You do not have to be at work every time the doors open. I'm telling you, you may be conditioned to think that you have to, but you don't. Some of us have. How do you end up with all of these hours of vacation at the end of the year? And I'm not saying that you could, you should waste them, but if you have 40 days of vacation a year or 30 or however many your, your, your job gives you, why do you have the same amount at the end of the year that you have in the beginning? How do you accumulate three and four and five months worth of vacation, you know, simply because you're not taking any time off? Take some time off. Again, I'm not saying abuse it. But take some time off for you so that you can rest, so that you can rest yourself. Taking time off is very, very important. Listen, we also need to have better work-life harmony. We have to have better work-life harmony. You know, we, we talk a lot of times about work-life balance, but I like to say harmony because when you when when it's in harmony, it's more in sync. Where balance is, it's more difficult. Like you 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 trying to figure stuff out. When we can put ourselves in a position where we have work life harmony. So what I'm saying to you is, stop working 16 hours a day. Why are you working 16 hours a day? That's a lot, and I know I'm I'm exaggerating. That, that's very exaggerative. Exaggerative. Is that a word? Okay, I'll check it out later. But 16 hours a day is exaggerative. I'm going to use it because I like it. It's exaggerative. But some of us, we are working 10, 12, 14 hours a day. We got to know when to, when, when to stop. Punch the time clock. If your tour of duty on paper when you were hired is 9 to 5, why are you working 9 to 9, 9 to 11, 9 to 1 a.m.? Like, it's too much. And some of us, we're doing it six days a week with no break. 
It's a lot, sis. Listen, you do not have to do that. And if you are in a position where you feel like right now, you have to pray and ask God to to put you in a position where you don't have to work yourself like that. Because I promise you, it will take a toll on your body. You don't have to always push when you're tired. When your body says, I've, I've had enough, listen to it and stop. You pay the price when you are emotionally exhausted. So I said, stick to your work schedule, like whatever your tour of duty is. If it's nine to five, try to create boundaries where you are working from nine to five and limit the amount of time or the amount of work that you take home. A lot of us work all day. We put in a few extra hours and then we pick up a stack of work to take home. And we finish our work at home. Like what kind of quality of life is that for you? What kind of quality of of life is that for your family? When you're always distracted about work stuff. And I want to encourage you, stop talking about work when you get home. You're working all day. You work a couple of hours late. You take a stack of work home. And then when you finally put the work down, you want to talk to your your spouse about your day, about work. When does it end, sis? Listen, I'm telling you, I, I am very serious about this because I see the impact of, 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 of this kind of schedule. I I talk to some of my clients and I see what it's doing to them. This never ending cycle. So stick to your work, stick to your tour of duty, nine to five, if that's what it is, whatever your eight hours or your 10 hours, whatever you agreed in your, upon when you were hired, work that schedule. And I want to also encourage you to stop focusing so much on pleasing your boss. That is an extra amount of stress, you know, like do well on your job. But some of us are overly obsessed with pleasing our boss to the degree that we have no limits and we have no boundaries. We'll work 24 seven to hear our boss say good job. And I I was reminded of Colossians three verses 23 and 24, where it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as your reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So remember that when you are at work, do your service as unto the Lord, but not to the degree where you are consumed with pleasing your human master, your supervisor or your boss, because that gets to be a whole lot. That's a whole lot of pressure. And it will drive you to do more and more and more and more because we are seeking something from from our our boss. Make sure that you are including fun activities in in your life during the course of a week. You know, I have one client that I saw um, earlier today and she loves her job. She absolutely loves it, but she does too much of it. She works and works and she works and she works. And I asked her, I said, well, what do you enjoy doing? in your leisure time. 
And it saddened my heart that she said, you know, Keisha, I don't even know anymore. She told me what she used to like, but she said, I, I don't even know. I don't have a life anymore outside of work. And it got worse when COVID came. So now there's a little bit of social anxiety about getting back out into the world. Um, she's gotten quite used to being home, isolated from, fam from family and friends. And so all she does is work. So I encouraged her, you know, start with, with the things that you used to enjoy and find other things that, that you might be interested in doing. You have to start somewhere. Stop devoting all of your time to being an employee or an entrepreneur if that is your situation. Being a wife, being a mother, you know, always doing something for somebody else. Like, can you build in time for yourself? Doing things that you enjoy. Doing things that make you laugh and make you smile. Things that make you feel refreshed, renewed, exhilarated. Not things that always drag you down. So, um, you know, we have to manage our mental and our emotional health. We, we want to start doing things like, you know, try to manage that anxiety. And the way that we encourage you know, as therapists, we, we encourage people to manage their anxiety is by staying in the present time, being present. A lot of times our anxiety is due to us forecasting the future. Like if I don't do this in six months, this is going to happen. Or, you know, I have to do this because I'm afraid that this is going to happen. You're way into the future. And, you know, when you do that, you're not present in today. So anxiety a lot of times is being concerned about the future while depression more often than not is about things that have happened in our past where we just can't get over some things that have happened to our past now happened in our past. Now I'm not saying that this is always the case, but this is what I see a lot of times when people are sad it's generally because something or someone has happened to them and they haven't quite been able to get over, go get over it. And when they're anxious, is because they're concerned or they're worried about what will happen in their future. And what I am encouraging you to do is to practice mindfulness and stay present. Today, everything is okay. Today, you're doing okay. I want you to, to, to look into ways that you can cope with your stressors more in a more healthy way. Please, sis, make this a priority. Make this a priority. And I'm feeling led to say, well, let me, let me read this. Let me, let me talk about this first. Um, you know, if you have found yourself in, in any of the things that I'm saying, I am encouraging you, strongly encouraging you to deal with your emotional overwhelm or your emotional exhaustion because it takes a toll it takes a toll on you. You know, I, I have some clients when they first started with me, they were so emotionally overwhelmed that they literally wanted to check out. And I mean that. I mean, I'm trying to avoid saying the word, but I feel Holy Spirit prompting me to say it. You know, like we're, some women feel like the only out is suicide because it's so much. And that may sound a little bit extreme, but I'm telling you, 
It happens. If you can relate to what I'm saying, listen to my voice. Suicide or ending your life is not the only way to get out of this place of emotional exhaustion. I know you may feel helpless. I know you may feel hopeless because it feels like so much. But I am telling you that that suicide is not the only option. It's not the only option to come up out of this place of emotional overwhelm. I apologize that I don't have uh, the number the hotline, the suicide hotline number. I was not prepared to say this. So I did, I don't have that information readily available, but you can very easily Google it. Call a friend, call your pastor, call a family member. If you are having strong urges of giving up, you don't have to do that, sis. You don't. You can come up out of this emotional overwhelm. That is not your last resort. You don't, you don't have to do that. You don't. And so I'm encouraging you to get the help that you need. You know, I I want you to um, start exercising, you know, rest your body, acknowledge how you're feeling and allow yourself to release all of what you're holding on to in order to, to offload some of this emotional overwhelm and emotional exhaustion, you know, like you can do this. I was reading an article by, by pastor Rick Warren, and I want to give you 10 things that he identified that could be indicators that you're suffering from emotional exhaustion. I talked about anxiety. So his first thing is that, He says fear creeps into your life when you're emotionally exhausted. When you're emotionally exhausted, you're not thinking as clearly. So fear can 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 creep into your life and it can grip you. Number two, you find yourself running away from things. I talked about that. The isolation, not going to work like you used to walking out on your relationships. That's his number three. You back out of your relationships. When you are feeling emotionally exhausted, you make impulsive decisions. You make foolish decisions impulsively is what he says. Number five, you push yourself past your physical limits. I mentioned that earlier. Your body is telling you to stop and you, for some reason, keep pushing. Listen to your body and stop. Your body is begging you for a break. Your work begins to seem pointless. You don't even find the joy like you used to in your work. It's just humdrum. Now it's just routine. I'm just doing it. Number seven, you complain that you want to quit and give up. You want to give up. Don't give up. Don't give up on God because he won't give up on you. He is able You can come out of this place. I'm telling you, you can. You just have to redirect your focus and realign, 
do a redetermination of what's most important to you. You know, take a look at it, examine what's going on and just, you know, make up your mind that you're going to, you're going to evaluate things and make some changes. So we're not going to give up. Number eight, you feel isolated and attacked. You know, that happens when you're emotionally tired. You feel like nobody gets you and you take everything that people say personally, you take it to heart when really people don't mean any harm. It's just that you're extra sensitive because you're, you're emotionally exhausted. Number nine, you compare yourself, yourself to others and you feel bad about yourself. Yes. Emotional exhaustion can cause that. And number 10, I already mentioned it. You think death might bring you relief. And I know that's heavy, but I have to say it because I'm telling you, I see it. I talk to women every day who don't know how to say no. Who don't know how to properly prioritize. I talk to women who are afraid of losing friendships and, re- and, and relationships. And, you know, um, so they, they agree to do things that they know that they really shouldn't be doing because they don't have the time. They're exhausted. I see it every day. I see the sadness from overwhelm. I actually had a client that started working with me maybe about, hmm, six or seven months ago. And I'm telling you when, when she first came, I was going to give her a diagnosis of bipolar. I was going to, honestly, I was going to give her a diagnosis of bipolar. And as I kept talking to her, I said, I told her I was honest because she, you know, a lot of clients want to know their diagnosis. Some don't. And so she asked me what her, what the diagnosis was. And I said, I, I feel like You know, at first I thought it was bipolar, but as I listen to your family dynamics, I I hear a lot of overwhelm. And so let's deal with that first. Let's deal with your overwhelm. And she had it all like physical overwhelm, emotional overwhelm, mental overwhelm. She was exhausted. And guess what? Her biggest, um, the, what what is the word I want to say? One of the strategies that I taught her that had the most impact was simply saying, no, I can't do that. No, I'm sorry. I I can't do that. And what I did was I put her on what I call um, a yes fast, meaning she had to fast saying yes to people. And that caused her a lot of anxiety. A lot of anxiety because she was not used to telling people no. I said, tell them your therapist said it. Just don't tell them my name and my phone number. Tell them that you're working with your therapist and your therapist said that you cannot do anything for anybody else right now. And my my folks, they really use that. But honey, let me tell you, baby, once they get a hang of saying no, it is a life changer. Just being able to say, no, I can't do that. And so what I am saying to you in a nutshell is pay attention to what your body is telling you. 
Like, take care of yourself. I say that every week. Take care of yourself. And if you have found yourself in any of these descriptions of what emotional overwhelm or emotional exhaustion looks like, I need you to take care of that because your cup is empty. You're pouring out from an empty cup and I am encouraging you, sis, stop it. Fill your cup and let those people sip off of your saucer. You hear me? Let them sip off of your saucer. If your cup isn't full, take a step back. Do something to fill it up so that you have some overflow. Okay? Yeah. Please, please, please. Take heed. Take heed. This is more serious than you think. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for who you are and all that you do for us. Father, we counted joy to be able to give back to the body of Christ by sharing our resources. But Father, sometimes we do too much. And we are praying right now, God, that you will help us bring balance and harmony into our lives where we are not emotionally exhausted. Father, we're asking that you show us the things that we need to take off of our plate. Father, we pray that you will make a way so that we don't have to spend such long hours at work. Father, we pray right now that you will give us the courage to be able to say no so that we can have more time for ourselves, more time for our families, and most importantly, Lord, more time for you. We thank you, God, that we're going to take the baby steps necessary to get to a better quality of life. We thank you, God, for what you have in store for us. We are most appreciative of all that you do. It's in Jesus' name that I pray and we give thanks. Amen. So listen, as I do at the end of every episode, I want to invite you to visit my website to learn more about me and so that we can stay connected. Feel free to shoot me an email to share your thoughts about this episode or other episodes. If you want to stay up to date on what's going on on the show, I encourage you to subscribe and follow me on your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to rate and review me in the app as this helps spread the word and grow my listenership. Please, please, please share my podcast with everyone in your world that you think will benefit from this very timely content. Again, I thank you for tuning in and I look forward to sharing with you next week. Until then, peace and love.